0: listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Good morning, everyone, and so glad you're joining us. And I do want to say hi to Jordy and Bern all the way from Spain. It's been great to see you online each and every Sunday with us Uh, We hate we can't come this summer, but we miss you guys, and we will continue to be praying uh, for you. So this morning, I want to invite all of us to our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. So Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets. And typically what would happen is a prophet would receive a message from God, and he would bring it to the people. He would be the messenger. Sadly, typically the message would be a judgment. But Habakkuk is very different. Habakkuk is not going to bring a message to God's people. This is going to be a private conversation between Habakkuk and God, and we get to listen in. So let me give us a little bit of background. Habakkuk was written most likely between 610 B.C. and 957 B.C. And during that time, Assyria was kind of the, the big powerhouse in this area. And they defeated the northern kingdom which was now called Israel. And the southern kingdom is called Judah. So the kingdom is divided, and Assyria has conquered the northern country and taken them into captivity. But Judah's been very different. Judah has had some great years under the leadership of a king named Josiah. Now, he was a really unique and special king because, one, he came into power at only the age of eight. Well, as he gets a little bit older, he begins rebuilding the temple. And during this process, he discovers some scrolls. And when they open them up, they realize this is the book of Deuteronomy. And Josiah is moved by this. And he has this book brought out and read for the people. And he leads Judah in this massive religious reformation. Well, about 610, Josiah dies in battle. And his oldest son is now king of Judah, but he only lasts about three months. So then his son Jehoiakim comes into power. But he's placed there of all people by the Pharaoh Necro of Egypt. So during this time what's happening is Assyria is beginning to lose their their power and another country is coming to the forefront called Babylon. And Babylon is led by a man you know of as Nebuchadnezzar. He's the man that you'll read in Daniel, takes Daniel and his three friends captive and takes them back to Babylon. And so this is about that same time when Habakkuk is written. So let me first of all now give us an outline that we're going to be walking through over the next several weeks. And this is how I see the book in six major parts. The first one we'll see today is Habakkuk is going to ask God a question. Then in verses 5 to 11, we get to listen in on God answering Habakkuk. Habakkuk will then ask a second question in verses 12 through 17, and we'll see that today. Then in beginning chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, God will answer Habakkuk again. Well, then we get in verses 12 through 17, or 6 through 20, five scornful woes. Well, then the last chapter is this incredible prayer of Habakkuk. And what you're going to be seeing unfold is this major transformation that Habakkuk gets to go through. And we get to listen in on this conversation. But I think what's important is everybody can relate to this book Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk is going to question God and then God is going to answer him. And we get to see this transaction take place. But I think what's important is everybody goes through this. Everybody has questioned God at some way or some form. You know, we've all said things like, God, why did this happen? Or or, what did I do to deserve this? You know, we might receive a diagnosis. In fact, many in our church family have over the last several years. And I think a real honest question is to ask God, why is this happening? Or a death happens. And naturally, we are looking for answers. And we're, we're asking God, why did you allow this to happen? Or maybe the loss of a job. Many people might be going through that now. Or probably we've even asked, God, why are you allowing a virus to really change the way we do life? And we're asking God these why questions. Why are you allowing this to happen? And that's exactly what Habakkuk does. So let's listen in to this conversation between God and Habakkuk. And it begins this way in verse 1. The oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet, saw... So he receives this message, this prophetic message from God, and somehow he sees it. So then Habakkuk is going to ask his first question. And his question is going to be, God, why don't you do something? Why don't you act? And this is how it reads. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not answer me. Oh, you cry for, and we cry for violence and you will not save Why do you make me see iniquity? and Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention, they're arising. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked, they're surrounding the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. So here's what's happening. Habakkuk is looking around at the people of Judah, his people. And all he sees, he can't believe. He sees moral decay. He sees leaders acting selfishly. He says religious leaders not following God and no one seems to be caring about God's law anymore. They're just now coming out of that time led by Josiah. And he's wondering, why are we losing that? He says, all I see are wickedness, violence, strife. And there's absolutely... No justice anymore. And I'm wondering, have you ever felt that way? Maybe you look at the world and even the U.S. and we see things like mass murders. We see terrorism, human trafficking, abortions. There's political unrest. There is racial and economic oppression. There's moral and religious decay. We see the crumbling of homes and marriages. And there seems to be a lack of justice at times. So like Habakkuk, I think we can naturally wonder, God, why don't you do something? Why are you allowing this to happen? So Habakkuk's question, I think, is a very honest one. And so God is going to answer him. And what God is about to say, he's about to say, Habakkuk, oh, but I am. And we see it in verse 5. He says, look among the nations and see and wonder And he says, be astonished. He says, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. He says, Habakkuk, I'm about to do something that you will see in your days. And if someone told you, you wouldn't believe what is going to happen. I believe at this point, Habakkuk, he's got to be getting excited, thinking, Finally, God has heard my prayer. He's heard my cry for justice. And God is about to do something. And God tells him in verse 6 what he's doing. He says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Now, I believe at this point, if Habakkuk is drinking some tea or some wine, he would have spit it out, thinking, Did, did, did I hear you right, God? Did you just say the Chaldeans Because note what it says. That bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. So who are they? Well, Babylon is coming into power. And the, the Chaldeans were this group within them that was a ruthless group of people. In fact, if you would have heard the name Chaldeans, this would have been a group of people. They would have brought fear if people had even heard the name. In fact, I believe they are the most feared group about to be on the face of the earth. They are bitter. It says they are hasty. They go wherever they want to and they consume everything in their path. In fact, when Babylon needed something done, when they needed somebody to get their hands dirty, the Chaldeans were who they looked to. Because notice the description in verse 7. They are dreaded and they are fearsome. This was a ruthless group of warriors. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Meaning they don't care about anyone else's laws. They don't mean anything to them. They live by their own set of standards and they didn't care about anyone. So God is going to describe for, for Habakkuk exactly their military power. To Habakkuk, he says, Their horses, they're swifter than leopards. They're more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces turn forward. They gather captives like the sand. Meaning they were fast, they were furious, and they were completely determined. And they loved war and they loved to inflict pain on people. They took pleasure in it. They loved taking people captive. In fact, he says they did it like taking captives like the sand. They did it with ease and they did it in massive numbers. Notice what it says in verse 10. At kings, the Chaldeans, they scoff at them. At rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. For they pile up earth and they take it. Then they swept by like the wind and they go on guilty men whose own might is their God. So at kings, they scoff. At other nations, they laugh. Wherever they go, they leave destruction. They pile up earth. It says they are swift like the wind. They go where they wish and they even worship their God is their own power and their own might. And so what God is saying is Habakkuk, I'm bringing the Chaldeans and I know exactly who they are. And I think this is, this is something Habakkuk could not have expected at all. He wanted to do something about the wickedness in Judah. And God says, I am, I'm bringing the Chaldeans to bring judgment. And for Habakkuk, he doesn't have a a category for this. He can't believe what God is saying. So Habakkuk asks God another question. So first he says, God, why don't you do something? And God says, I am. So his second question is this, God, how can you do this? In verse 12, he says, And you are not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One. So notice this is important. Habakkuk is a man of faith. When he talks about God, he says, O Lord, my God, my Holy One. What is happening is what Habakkuk knows or he believes about God. It's now not not matching up with what's happening and what he is hearing. And there's this conflict of faith going on within Habakkuk. He believes and he has faith in God. But now what he is hearing, his experiences, he can't reconcile the two. And I'm wondering, have you ever experienced that? Where what you know and what you believe or you want to believe about God, when it matches up against the things you, you hear, the things you're experiencing, it's hard to reconcile those two. So what I'm seeing is that Habakkuk's doubts, they're actually coming from a place of faith. He he wants to be able to reconcile what he believes about God with what he is now hearing. And so Habakkuk is kind of saying, God, are you sure? Do you understand what is happening? Because notice how it reads We shall not die, O Lord. You have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O rock, have established them for reproof. In verse 13, he says, are you, really, are you really sure, God? You who are of pure eyes, then to see evil and cannot even look upon wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked are going to be swallowed up, the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with a net. He gathers them in His dragnet, so He rejoices and He's glad. Therefore, He sacrifices to His net and He makes offerings to His dragnet. For by them He lives in luxury and His food is rich. Is He then to keep on emptying His net and mercifully killing nations Forever, And Habakkuk says, how long can you allow such an evil group? How can you allow this to happen to Judah? How can you allow a more ruthless and a more wicked people bring about judgment on those that are actually more righteous? He says, they capture people like fishermen, like with ease, by their nets and with hooks. And they even rejoice over that. They worship their power and their might. And Habakkuk is saying, how can you allow this to happen to your people? But do you notice the change in Habakkuk? He's sitting back and he's, he's looking at his people, Judah. He sees the wickedness and the things that are going on. He cries out to God, how can you not do something? Would you do something, God? And God says, I am. And I'm bringing you about the Chaldeans. When Habakkuk hears this, he, he can't believe it. his question is, God, how can you do this? And he's questioning God again. He doesn't like what he is hearing. But all of a sudden, the wickedness of Judah is not near as bad as the wickedness that he knows the Chaldeans bring. So notice verse 1 of chapter 2. This is what Habakkuk does. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post. And station myself at the tower. And I'm going to look out and see what he was now say to me. And what, I'll, and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He says, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to see what God's going to say to this. Because first of all, I asked him, God, why don't you do something? And he says, I am. But God, how can you do this? How can this be your plan of action? Well, next week we will actually look at God's answer, but we're going to save that for next week. But there's four things I want us to see from Habakkuk this morning. The first one is this, is that nothing goes unnoticed by God. He sees all, especially evil. The second thing is that God is always working. And Habakkuk is going to realize this. Whether we see it or not, and whether we like it or not, God is always working. Even when a virus comes into a country that we're seeing. But this is what Habakkuk is going to soon be realizing. God is not just a better version of us. God is not a better version of Habakkuk. That God is God. And God will always act according. and will not always act according to what we think and what we like and what we want. Sometimes that'll be the case, but sometimes it's not. Because God is not us. He's not a better version of us because God sees all and He knows all. And God will not always act according to what we think, we like, and we want. But here's the last one. God and only God can use evil for his good and our good. And that's exactly what God is doing during Habakkuk's time. You know what? This isn't anything unique to Habakkuk. In fact, there's kind of two examples I'd love to point out. If you were to go back about 600 years from Habakkuk's time, Israel at this time is in Egypt. And there's a very evil man ruling at that time named Pharaoh. In fact, he was so evil, he, he created a genocide on babies. And God is going to raise up a man named Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And at that point, God could have moved in Pharaoh, and things would have gone a lot easier. But it doesn't happen that way. And God brings ten plagues upon Egypt. And do you know that each plague was unique? And each plague was a judgment upon a God that Egypt worshipped. They worshipped the Nile. It gave them water. It gave them life. So what does He do? He turns it to blood. They worshipped the fertility gods. And and they gave that God the the head of a frog. And God sends frogs in mass numbers. They also worshipped the love and protection God that had the face of a cow. And God brings devastation among the herds. you know what the last judgment, remember what it was? It was the death of the firstborn. Because above all, Pharaoh worshipped himself and required all people to worship him as a god. And when he died, who would be in his place to be worshipped? His firstborn son. So God sends a judgment upon the firstborn son. That during that night, all four firstborn sons would die unless they partake in the Passover lamb, and they covered their doorpost in the blood. That God says He would pass over; He would show mercy to them. And God is doing a lesson. In fact, we read just a few weeks ago in Romans chapter nineteen, verse seventeen about Pharaoh, and said, "For the Scripture says to Pharaoh." For this very purpose, I have raised you up that I might show my power to you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So all the way back then, God used evil to show his power and to make his name proclaimed in all the earth. And here we are, 4,000 years later, still proclaiming his name. We also see another example. Where God used the evil of men to bring about something. He used the evil in men to bring about the crucifixion of His own Son. In fact, the worst evil act the world had ever seen was the death of His Son, and God used that evil. In fact, He used that evil to then bring about the greatest news the world could ever hear. And so God does. God works in and uses evil to make His name known and for His good and our good. So next week, we're going to see God's second answer to Habakkuk's second question. But remember this, God is always working. Even if we can't see it, even if we can't understand it, and even if we don't like it, God is always working to make his name known and for our good. So church, pray with me. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.